Well, what a gift it is to be joined by Mark Says. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. Mark pastors Red Church in Melbourne. He's also a writer, podcaster, prophet, many other things. Mark, with these interviews, we're basically asking friends, family, people that we track with to answer two questions. First question is around discerning what the Spirit's doing in this moment. And the second question, which we'll get to later, is about what you're personally learning in this season. Like this is a steep learning curve for all of us. What are you currently learning? But let's start with what the Spirit's doing. We've been looking at Matthew 16, where Jesus says, look, you can look at the sky and discern, figure out the, the weather, but why can't you read the signs of the times? So one of the tasks we feel is like we need to discern what the Spirit's doing in this moment so we can jump on board. In terms of, as you look at what's happening right now, I know it's nuts, but what do you see happening in the culture and where do you see the Spirit of God at work? Many places is <laughs> the short answer. Um, I think that Andrew Sullivan, you know, the columnist, um, you know, uh, originally from the UK, he, he wrote something the other day. He said, pandemics and plagues um, show us humility. And I think that's a profound thing that, you know, I don't believe that um, God sent this as a judgment, but I believe that we learn things in the midst of these trying times. And Romans tells us that God uses all things for good. And I believe there's a tremendous humbling moment, uh, particularly for the Western world and the model of a global culture that we built, which in many ways was an idol, um, that you could move effortlessly from New York to London and if it not touch the ground really, and this entire global system, which the world has been building, which has in a sense been our model to have a secure life, is all of a sudden being brought down by a tiny bacteria from some city in China, which no one had really heard of. Many people had heard of outside of China before, even though it's quite a big city. And so I think the first thing is that there's an invitation into our own humility um, as a global system, but also as individuals. You know, there's a sense where we have been sold a myth by a culture that we're these incredible, limitless, high-performance vehicles and, you know, who can achieve it all. But what, well, look at us now. We're in these, you know, homes. I've got, I've got literally antibacterial wipes to wipe down the microphone afterwards you know, because I'm fragile as a human being so that I don't get affected. And, you know, and, and I think even we're learning more that young people are affected by this. You know, it's not just old people that... There's, you know, story in, there's literally people on ventilators in London now who are young and fit, who didn't think they'd get affected by this. So I think that's the first thing. I think that, that there's a humbling and then what's the lesson in the humbling? And when we are humbled, we get down off our perch in which we were viewing the world and we're more amenable to view the world through God's lens. And so I feel there's an actual invitation to view the world through God's lens at the moment. And, you know, I sense the Lord inviting his people into seeing things through his eyes at this point in time. So we've kind of been praying for, I know you've been praying for, it's felt like there's a global sense of unity around prayer for revival. You know, contending for an outpouring of the spirit in our nations, in our communities, in our churches. You wrote a book on it. And yet where we find ourselves now is this kind of huge thing kicked off. And I think underneath it, a lot of us feel, well, we're not going to stop praying for an outpouring of the Spirit. You know, how, do you see any connection between actually this kind of pandemic's kicked in at a time when the church was saying, Lord, we're longing for an outpouring? Yeah. Do you see any connection there? Yeah. I mean, I was belting along a motorway in 
rural England somewhere with my wife Trudy and Pete Gregg um, a couple of years ago going to Worcester Cathedral um, for a um, Thy Kingdom Come night. And I was having a conversation with Pete Gregg and we talk about the prospects of renewal and revival and awakening in the West. And he made the point just offhandedly, and I don't even know if he remembers this, that you know, he, in his study of re- renewals, that there'd always been often some sort of tragedy that happened before. And I remember like thinking, oh, okay, so okay, we haven't really had one of them at a mass scale. There's individual things that happen everywhere. So I began to think about it like maybe it's sort of the fact that so many individuals in the West are experiencing anxiety. Maybe renewal will become when enough people have their own sort of crises. But here, here is this, this moment. And I think what's also interesting is reading a bit about, you know, you saw, you know, England was devastated by um, the plague in the 14th century. And um, there was that did contribute to, the, to a movement towards this renewal of the church. But then there was plenty of people who just went on with business as usual. And I think like when this first happened, I think everyone went into reactive mode, like how are we going to respond? But then there's going to be a remnant who actually learn the lesson of the season. First, when I was gaming it out, I thought, oh, this is going to be this giant sabbatical, you know, like we're not going to have a Sabbath. When when I'm talking about, I know, I mean, we were sort of chatting a little bit before we came on. I mean, this has just been, I've been hammered. Like I I almost worked nonstop. I did, I'm I'm putting my hand up. I did not have a Sabbath for four weeks because I just actually had to work and work and work. My tech team, pastoral staff, people who are trying to keep their businesses open. I bumped into a guy from church who's a painter, you know, just walking and, and he's just like, man, I, you know, like what's going to happen? Like mums and dads who are now homeschooling their kids whilst trying to keep their business going, whilst trying to not be stir crazy. And I'm like, man, this doesn't feel like a Sabbath. This feels like something else. And I feel like this, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this image, which then I heard Pope Francis actually used of night. I feel like a night has fallen. There is a mood, even when it's sunny, um, that has fallen over our cities. And I think it'd be particularly true in places like London and New York at the moment. And there's a Nicola Badeev quote where he says, that basically, he was a Russian Christian, that there's a particular purpose that God has for the night. And if you think about it, there's nocturnal animals that come out at night. Plants do certain things at night. And I feel like in the midst of this night, what if this is the night before him? And what if this is the night where work can be done that you can't do in the day? So I feel for a remnant, there are people who like all of a sudden have gone, my goodness, I'm fragile. I can't rely on my career. I can't even rely on this city staying the same. Um, You know, I can't rely on just being a cultural Christian who will push into something new. A bunch of people will just normalize. But I'm asking the question, what are the seeds that the spirit is planting in the night and how do we ensure they germinate and grow when we come back? Night will lift. There's a definite, this thing will end at some point. So my slogan is, how do we come back stronger when night lifts? Yeah, what a beautiful yeah, picture. In terms of what you see happening in the church then, like how does the church position itself to jump on board what the spirit's doing? Like one of the deep things I've been Think about essentially praying about maybe even confessing is lord i don't want to be busy running an online service stream you know i don't want to be busy in zoom calls when you're doing something so much bigger lord i want to be attentive to what you're doing sensing yeah that that the, the night will lift and daytime's coming but want to be ready for it how does the church position itself at this moment yeah i mean it i, I think that it's an extraordinary moment and I think the first question everyone had was, how do I get my church online? And then probably the second question was, should it be online? What does online church mean? 
you know, and look, I'll, I'll put my hand up. You know, I was in a conversation with some church leaders here around online church seven months ago. You know, and I was, I'm the, the culture guy, probably saying, no, no, what does it mean to be disembodied and all of that? When this happened, I'm just like, no, I'm all in. And that's, that's, that's because, in a sense, the environment changed. The bigger thing I realized that I don't think people have really grasped is church leaders have profoundly lost a lot of control. And we wanted to keep maintaining control by our response. So we're going to do this, we're going to do all this stuff, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I was like, let's have a, a TV show almost every night. You know, like that was my original thing. And I have this response thing, I do this. And like some of that is really key. And there's an element now that actually, if you think about it, like think about concentric circles, right? There's a circle of the self and then around it, there's the household. And then there's another circle, which is the church. And then there's a bigger circle, which is the city. What we've been doing is let's get the church awesome. Let's get our services brilliant. And again, too, I'm not against that. I think fantastic, you know. And if we get the, the services brilliant, that's going to equip our people to reach the city. You know what just happened? The city, in terms of us getting out there and being present, and the church just went away. All that's left is ourselves and the household. Now, the church is obviously still in play, but our services have gone. So our main way, and Alan Hirsch, my old boss, um, said, you know, you learn to play chess by taking the queen away. The queen is our services. We now have to learn to play within our services. And I said that was just a genius comment. And I feel like what's actually happened now is what we didn't realize is what was the weakest point? We had this thing where at the apex of our services and the Holy Spirit's moving, we're like, yes. And then people would go back to their homes and their homes are still filled with anxiety. Not always, but so often that their individual lives are set by the, the, the trajectory of the culture. Well, what's happened now is you and I as pastors have lost a heck of a lot of control. We no longer have the ball, but who has the ball? The people in our church. And now it's actually not as much about my leadership. I can lead, I can inspire, and I can equip, but actually now it's about self-leadership. And it's the stories of families who've watched our live stream but then afterwards have gone, actually, we need to do some worship in our own home and grabbed a guitar and started singing. It's actually people like, man, actually, I need to start discipling my kids. I can't just rely on a great kids program. That's the invitation at this moment. I actually believe that God has taken away platforms and dis disassembled them. And there's a pile of wood there, but he's actually pushed that wood to um, our people to build a hidden place. Wow. Which is a reformation of sorts. <clears throat> It's a reformation of sorts where the power suddenly shifted from the institution, the structures, and now it's in the hands of the people. Something extraordinary could happen again as, as we see that kind of shift. I think there was a fear, like with, the original fear with online church was, is, there a bunch, is this just going to facilitate a bunch of cultural Christians? Even worse. I think, I think if you're a cultural Christian, in eight weeks, you're not going to be watching our services. You're watching, you're watching what's on Netflix. You know, you go to that thing. I've got on my TV, smart TV, which I did watch your Good Friday service the other night. I had to go past the, down the bottom, the Netflix logo to go to the YouTube logo. If, if you're not into this, you're going to click to the Netflix thing. This is now who really wants it now. And so this is actually, it's, it's, it's a remnant. Yeah, amazing. Final question then, in terms of just personally, what are you learning in this season? So I had this, this really weird sense where, you know, it, it's bizarre being down under, <laughs> right down under. And God, like, 
speaking to me for a while, like, I want you to be very local. But I'm like, but God, you're getting me to speak to the church. I want you to disciple your kids. But God, that would mean I have to travel. What's so bizarre now is people are like, um, oh, like I, I did a Skype, I mean, so Zoom conference, oh, sorry, Zoom interview like this with someone in the US recently. And they said, oh, what's weird is it's easier to talk to you as it is to talk to someone across the other side of that American city. So in a sense, understand what I've taken is that God positions you for a time as this. Uh, my kids at that age, right, I need to be around. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to say, I want to listen to God more. The orientation in the midst of the storm comes through hearing the spirit. And so I want that orientation as the environment's changing around me. I want to orientate myself to his voice. And when you do that, you can deal with any changing environment. We don't know where this is going to go. It could be the pandemic ends and then we have a global depression, which is what the numbers are telling us. Um, that the economic slowdown that happened in four years of the Great Depression is going to happen in the next three months. Um, so we haven't even thought about what that means yet. What does it look like if we can't internationally travel? Um, you know, what, what this, you know, a city like London, which was a hub, hub cities now are actually going to look very, will there even be hub cities? Um, you know, there's all these things. We don't, what the heck does it look like to minister in those places? We can't game it ahead. We can only walk ahead with the Holy Spirit. That's what God's teaching me at the moment. Mark, you've been such a gift. Thank you so much for joining us and God bless.